Welcome to Bringing Bach Back, the podcast that explores the church year through the theology and music of Johann Sebastian Bach. The idea of the show is pretty simple. Each week we're going to look at a different cantata written by Bach for that particular week of the church year. We'll examine the music, the theology, and the original use of each of the cantatas we study, including hearing the scripture lessons appointed for that particular day of the church year. After a brief discussion of each part, we'll give a rough translation of the text from the German to the English so that we can understand the message Bach was seeking to convey with his music. We'll listen to the cantatas movement by movement, imagining what it was like to hear that cantata for the very first time in the weekly church service. And as we do so, we'll learn that Bach was boldly Lutheran and hopefully seek to bring Bach back into the Lutheran church. We'll begin this episode with the same words that Bach wrote at the beginning of all his music pieces, Jesu Yuva, Jesus Help. This week we have the pleasure of listening to Bach's cantata for the 11th Sunday after Trinity, Herr Jesu Christ, du hochest gut, or in English, Lord Jesus Christ, you highest good. This cantata was written for and performed on August 20th, 1724 at the St. Thomas Church in Leipzig, Germany. It's based upon a hymn written by Bartholomeus Ringwald, who served as pastor in the then Prussian city of Langenfeld, which is today found in western Poland. The hymn was written in 1588 as Ringwald served as pastor there. His hymn, Penitential in Nature, was then taken by the now unknown poet and reworked into what Bach has used for this week's cantata. It's based off of the gospel lesson for this particular week of the church year, which comes from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 18. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thusly, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner." I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first movement of our cantata today is a choral movement. It is written in the key of B minor and is one of several extremely expressive choral movements written by Bach in the year this particular movement was written. Each of them is unique and beautiful, matching the mood of the particular week in the church year. This one takes the tune of the original hymn on which the cantata is based and transforms it for the chorus. This cantata wants to put us in the place of the penitential sinner from the gospel lesson. It wants us to understand our own sinful state and how desperate we are for the grace of God. This is in juxtaposition to the Pharisee who prefers to judge himself against others, thinking, since I'm not so bad as them, I'll make it into heaven. It is the proverbial, God must have bigger fish to fry than me, 
This is seen in the first particular movement, the choral movement, the lyrics of which are as follows. Lord Jesus Christ, you highest good, you wellspring of all grace, see how in my heart I am laden with sorrows, and have many arrows within me, which in my conscience without end oppress me, this poor sinner. You see that the lyrics of this particular cantata begin with a confession of who God is. He is the highest good from which all grace flows. We are then contrasted with that, laden with sorrows, pierced with many arrows. This matches with Psalm 38 that states, Your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down upon me. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. The truth is, our guilt is ever before us and causes us great sorrow and shame in this world. Therefore, we have nowhere to turn except to God and his gracious mercy. Musically, this movement is kind of an interesting one. Bach changed the meter of the chorale from the original 4-4 time to 3-4 time, which gives it sort of a breathy, sighing feel. Underneath this sighing in the bass line is a plodding rhythm representing our slow trudge through this difficult life. It sets up the rest of the cantata by focusing our attention onto our current circumstances. This time we'll hear the opening movement to this cantata, a choral movement.
Did you hear that kind of trudging along bass section underneath? And on top of that, you had the violins moving very quickly, which adds kind of a stressful feeling to it, which helps us to focus on the reality of our sinful nature. Many arrows have pierced us. We are guilty. We are poor sinners who are oppressed by this sinful and difficult world. The second movement of our cantata today takes on the original hymn again and keeps the simple tune for the movement. In between, the lyrics are extremely expressive string interludes. With this simple usage, Bach evokes deep emotion as we continue through the cantata. From a theological perspective, having just admitted our sin in the first movement, we now pray for God to have mercy upon us in our sinful state, the very thing that God is eager to do. Let's hear the lyrics for this next movement, and as you hear them, listen to what the basis for God's mercy upon us is. The lyrics are thus. Have mercy on me and my great burden. Take it out of my heart, since you have atoned for it on the tree with death's pangs, so that I do not go to ruin in great woe amidst my sins, nor evermore despair. The mercy that we pray for in that particular prayer is based upon the work of Jesus, who atoned for our sins upon the tree, the cross, and died so that we might have forgiveness. This is an important point for us to realize in this modern age. There are more so-called Christian songs than for ever before. Many of them use theological words like love and mercy and even the name of Jesus. But they don't all connect the dots about how our salvation is earned. Jesus isn't just our friend. He's the propitiary sacrifice for sin, who gave his life on the cross to rescue us from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. It is an important point for us to understand and to believe, one which we should not take for granted. If the hymns you sing don't make the cross explicitly clear as the place where forgiveness is earned, then they're really selling you short. Bach doesn't make that mistake. He doesn't sell us short. He is clear. He even goes on to describe the consequences of Christ's work. We will not go to ruin or great woe, nor evermore despair. Christ has overcome all sin. God promises to be merciful for Jesus' sake, and so we continually remind God of his promise by praying, Have mercy on me. This prayer is taught to us also in the scriptures, perhaps most well known, from Psalm, one, from Psalm 51. At this time, we'll hear the second movement in alto aria.
What I really love about that movement we just heard is the way that the voice comes across so plainly and clearly and kind of just uh, conveys that uh, sense that we are really begging God for mercy because we have no ground to stand on our own two feet before him. And I think that that particular movement does a great job uh, in accomplishing that. The next movement then is sung by the bass. It is written in what is known as compound time. That means that each beat of a measure is divided into even smaller units, in this case threes. This reflects Bach's later work on the mass in B minor, where he does the same thing, also using the bass voice. Theologically, this movement declares a truth that we all realize, whether we've ever put it into words before or not. When we realize our sin, fear and trembling seizes us. And if we knew not the gospel of Jesus Christ, we know that we would be lost forever. Hear the lyrics at this time. Truly, when it occurs to me that I have not walked rightly before God and have daily done wrong against him, then trembling, fear, and pain torments me. I know that my heart would break if your word did not promise me comfort. Note the parallels between this movement and the movement that came before. In the last movement, the lyrics made clear that our forgiveness is found in Jesus' work on the cross for our salvation. That's the place where salvation was earned. The phrase, trembling and fear, comes directly from Philippians chapter 2 and from Psalm 55. In this movement, the shift is made to talk about how the forgiveness won by Jesus upon the cross is delivered to us here and now. It is delivered to us by the use of God's holy word. God's word is the delivery vehicle which brings the forgiveness of sins earned by Jesus 2,000 years ago and 8,000 miles away from us to us here and now. This happens in preaching where the pastor uses God's word to create and sustain faith. The liturgy, where the word of God is sung and set to music and becomes familiar to us. And in the hymns of the church, where we are able to sing God's word for a variety of different purposes and reasons. And it comes to us in baptism and the Lord's Supper, where God's word is attached to physical means to bring us forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. All of these things bring God's forgiveness to us here and now because all of these things use God's word appropriately and correctly, the very way that God would have us use it, so that we are given comfort and so that our hearts do not break. Let us hear this bass aria sung at this time. Okay. 
There are two things I really love about that movement we just heard. First off, I really love the long melismas there. That's where you have one syllable carried over multiple notes. One of those melismas must have been five or six seconds long. The second thing I like is the emphasis on the word, God's word. The singer sings that same uh, phrase over and over again. Without your word, my heart would break. Without your word, I would not have the promise of comfort. Without your word, word, word. He repeats that over and over again to emphasize the way that forgiveness comes to us through God's word. The next movement, Bach uses a trick that was common to his work in this time. We heard it several weeks ago as well. Bach has the words of a hymn sung, and then he has an interlude in between, offering a commentary on the lyrics. Hear the lyrics of this next movement now. The hymn says, But your healing word assures me with its sweet singing, and a commentary on that word, that my breast, which formerly knew nothing but fear, can mightily revive itself again. This woeful heart perceives now, after tear-filled pain, the bright radiance of Jesus' glances of mercy. His word has brought me so much comfort. The hymn again, that my heart laughs again as though it were beginning to spring. The commentary, How blessed is my soul! My nagging conscience can no longer torment me. The hymn again, Since God promises all his grace. The commentary, And after this feeds all believers and righteous ones with heaven's manna. The hymn, If we but with remorseful spirit come to our Jesus. Musically, this arrangement is simple, with bass singing and repetuous rolling strings underneath. Yet, with the hymn and interpolation interspersed, it allows great theological insights to be made. It's almost as if there is a sermon explaining the hymn while the hymn is being sung itself. To compare Bach again to some modern Christian music, the contents of this hymn are deep, so deep that a quality sermon can be made about each line. This allows great Christian learning and faith to grow. Compare this with some modern songs, which instead have the same line repeated 12 times in a row. One is a puddle, shallow in its theological insight. The other is deep, 
and teaches more and more each time that it is sung. Note again the Lutheran theology present. How does God come to us? He comes in his word and not apart from it. This is important for us always to remember, especially as we go about day-to-day life in this world. God is present in his word. Let us hear this movement at this time. It is a bass recitative. Just kind of a simple movement to uh, uh, continue that idea, especially focusing us back into God's Word and that being the way that God comes to us. With that, that brings us to the end of our first half of this particular cantata. We'll take a break and we'll be back for the second half of the cantata number 113, Lord Jesus Christ, you highest good, in just a few minutes. This week's church service is more than hymns and a sermon. Get a more in-depth study of this week's message with Pastor Poppy and Pastor Moline on Proclaiming the One. Tune in Sundays at 12 p.m., Wednesdays at 11 a.m., Fridays at 11 a.m. and again at 6 p.m., and Saturdays at 10 a.m. For past episodes on demand, go to thecross957.org backslash Proclaiming the One. Welcome back to Bringing Bach Back. 
We're working our way through cantata number 113, Lord Jesus Christ, You Highest Good. We're about halfway through the cantata, which was prepared originally for the 11th Sunday after Trinity. Let's move on to our next movement. It is a tenor aria. It definitely is a proclamation of the gospel. In this, remember that we have just heard how God works through his holy precious word to bring the forgiveness of sins from Jesus on the cross to people here and now and today. And so we have, building on that idea, a word from God that Bach gives to us. Jesus accepts sinners, sweet word of comfort and life. He gives true rest of soul, and he calls to each one comfortingly, your sin is forgiven you. Notice the first words of these lyrics. Jesus accepts sinners. This will be repeated again and again and again in this cantata. This is the promise that Bach wants you to remember after hearing this cantata. Hear it again and know that it applies to you as well. Jesus accepts sinners. Some explanation of what that means is necessary in our world today. This phrase means that there is no sin that Jesus has not died for, or to which there can be no forgiveness distributed throughout the world. Therefore, we boldly confess our sins because we know that Christ has died for all of them. At the same time, it is also true that being saved by Christ, the new Adam within us, raised up by God in baptism, seeks to live a life according to God's word. That means our identity can no longer be found in our sin, but instead it must be found in Jesus. For that reason, we Christians seek to live apart from sin. We try not to continue in the sins that we have done. We don't identify and tell the world that we are who we are because we're sinners. Rather, confessing our sins, we live in the forgiveness that Jesus gives, and we seek to go forward without any more or new sin. We don't do perfectly at this, of course, so we return again and again with confession, and hear again and again that Jesus accepts sinners and bids them live according to his word. In this forgiveness, we have true rest of soul. Your sin, dear Christian, is forgiven you. Let's hear this sung now by the tenor voice in a tenor aria.
A few things to mention about that movement that we just heard. First off, it is the longest movement in this particular cantata to emphasize the most important point. Jesus accepts sinners through the work and death of Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection. Also along the same lines, that very phrase was repeated time and time again within that particular movement. Jesus accepts sinners uh, in regards to Jesus' work on the cross on their behalf. And then also you have that beautiful flute that kind of brings this very calming, relaxing feeling and mood to the entire movement. That's the emphasis on what our lives are like when we understand understand what Christ has done for us. We no longer feel fear and concern and worry because we know that Jesus accepts sinners and that in Jesus we have hope and eternal life. The next movement then brings us an exact quote from Matthew chapter 11. As you hear the words, listen for the famous quotation. The Savior accepts sinners. How lovely the words ring in my ears. It calls, Come here to me, all who labor and are burdened. Come here to the wellspring of all grace. I have chosen you as my friends. At this word would I come to you like the penitent publican, and with humble spirit pray, God be merciful to me. Ah, comfort my dull spirit and make me clean of all my sins through your spilled blood. So will I also, like David and Manasseh, if I there with you constantly in love and faithfulness with my arms of faith do embrace, henceforth a child of heaven be. You have, of course, heard the quote, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, which in the gospel has this continuation, and I will give you rest, the kind of idea that our last movement brought to our minds. You also hear allusions to Matthew chapter 9. Those who are healthy have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Bach also brings Luke 18 with the penitent publican, who beat his breast and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner, into the mix. In addition, he mentions David and Manasseh, two Old Testament kings who repented after living sinful lives. David repented of his adultery with Bathsheba, and Manasseh repented in a time of distress, as recorded in Chronicles chapter 33. It is a veritable who's who of sinners, all of them justified freely by the grace and mercy of God shown in the person and work of Jesus Christ, and in all these cases delivered to them through the word of God. In other words, that's where the forgiveness comes, through God's word. It is Bach saying, Look, Throughout the scriptures, this forgiveness is taught. You only must open your eyes to see it. Musically, as the movement starts, listen for the sustained chords, which perhaps remind us that we are in the presence of God. kind of gives this aura, this feeling of majesty and glory of being in heaven. The same way that the same chord sustained fills the room with sound and peace, so too does the presence of God fill us with sounds of peace. Let's hear this next movement now, a tenor recitative.
That's a movement to listen to over and over again to hear that sweet gospel that Bach prepares for us. Next, we have a duet with soprano and the alto, and the lyrics are as follows. Ah, Lord my God, forgive me for that, please, for what I, your anger, have aroused. Break the heavy yoke of sin which Satan has laid on me, that my heart may rest contented, and for your praise and glory, henceforth, according to your word, in childlike obedience, live. Now this movement drives home the point that forgiveness of sins are incompatible with the life of a Christian. In other words, we can't just keep sinning so that grace may increase, as St. Paul says. We've heard the gospel in the last two movements. We have driven us to the forgiveness of sins, delivered to us through God's word, won by the spilling of Jesus' blood. And now we are reminded that we are under the yoke of sin, and we pray that God would break that heavy yoke so that we might live according to God's word. Note again the emphasis on God's word. In other words, let's seek to stop sinning. Let's live holy lives of reverence and awe. And whenever we do sin, confess our sins, and again receive the word of absolution. In the music of this next movement, the long melismas, one syllable over many notes, carry home the idea of the heavy yoke of sin. It reminds us sort of that great Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, where Marley carries a long chain of sins. The long melismas in this next movement bring that to the forefront here as well. Let's hear this next movement at this time.
Did you see how those long melismas bring home the point that we are really under the yoke of sin and how only God himself can break that and deliver us as he has promised to through his gospel where we hear about the forgiveness of sins won by Jesus, the shedding of his blood, and the granting of eternal life through the powerful word of God as it is preached and delivered into our ears. This brings us then to the last movement of this week's particular cantata, which is a choral movement, as we've become used to hearing as the close to these cantatas of Bach. It is the seventh verse of the hymn on which this particular cantata is based, and the lyrics are as follows. Strengthen me with thy spirit of joy. Heal me with thy wounds. Wash me with your sweat of death in my last hours. And take me one day, whenever it pleases you, in true faith from the world to your chosen ones. The lyrics bring the entire hymn and its cantata into a summary. Strengthen, heal, and wash me with your wounds and death. It's in those wounds and death that we find joy here in this world. These verbs are all done to us through the hearing of God's word, where the forgiveness earned by Christ is delivered to us in this day and time. And this brings us then to our final hour. Just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, so too does Bach here pray that God would be with us in our final hour, that he would deliver us from the evil of this world and grant us eternal life with him in his kingdom, and that he might do this according to his own good pleasure. We cannot earn this eternal life. We cannot earn this peace or comfort or joy. Rather, it is given to us freely by the work of Jesus Christ. It is in Christ alone that we have our salvation. And so we go about our lives here. We repent. We trust daily in God's great mercy. We keep our eyes fixed on the cross and empty tomb of Jesus, and we await deliverance from this world of sin when our lives here come to their end. Christ is risen, and so we know that we too shall rise on the last day. We hear this performed for us now in the closing chorale. have the conclusion of Bach's cantata, O Jesus, You Highest Good, and it also concludes our 11th episode of Bringing Bach Back. I pray that it's been a blessing to you and has allowed you to peek into our great Lutheran musical heritage and to enjoy a piece of music that is decidedly Lutheran in its theology and is an amazing contribution to music itself. As you think about 
uh, today's episode, remember that this is what Christian music can be like, beautifully carrying our theology and music fit for heaven. Bach was little more than a church organist who took the great hymns and chorales of the church that came before him and made them into music that carried the gospel to hearers of countless generations. That's why it's so important that we continue to bring Bach back into the Lutheran Church today. We'll end our episode today with the same words that Bach wrote at the end of all his compositions. Three little letters, SDG, for solo Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. I'm Pastor Adam Moline, your host, bidding you Auf Wiedersehen until our next episode. God bless your day. Bringing Bach Back is a production of KNNA Radio of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. If you have any feedback on this episode, please contact KNNA or visit its website at thecross957.org. We'll keep on working and improving our broadcasts. We also invite you to follow us on Facebook and also to listen to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast uh, providers. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.